Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. In 2011, Javier Bastos was named the most influential person on Twitter. Not then-President Barack Obama, not the Pope. Brazilian comedian and TV personality Rafinha Bastos. Bastos has upward of 12 million Twitter followers now. He sat down with me during Montreal's Just for Last Festival to talk about how his dreams shifted from journalism to basketball to comedy, how free speech isn't so free in Brazil, and how he's following in the footsteps of Gad Elmaleh and Bassam Youssef in making a name for himself as an English-speaking comedian, too. Bastos will have a new Netflix comedy special out in September 2018, while they also host Ultimate Beastmaster alongside UFC star Anderson Silva. So let's get to it! Well, well, in that case, Ravi, thanks okay. for joining me. No, this um, is my pleasure. It's a pleasure. I like this pleasure. It's like, oh, it's a pleasure. Like, I sounds like I'm, we are having too much fun. What is the Portuguese word for pleasure? Uh, it's prazer. <laughs> prazer. Prazer is almost is sexy, huh? Prazer. Well, huh? uh, before I get into talking about you, are, okay. are you okay with uh, the recent World Cup? My friend, you know, the thing is, uh, there's too much expectations about Brazil. Always, oh, Brazil is the right. best. Good. There's Pelé. People think about Pelé. And oh. they say Neymar is the new Pelé. Neymar is the new Pelé. And he's not. No. Nah, he's not. Ronaldo so, wasn't the new Pelé. Ronaldinho was not the new Pelé. Ronaldo was a kind of a Pelé, <laughs> but he doesn't like me. Oh. Specifically because I did some jokes about him. Oh, so no. he doesn't like me that much. Can you believe that? <laughs> I don't believe I'm it. I'm a fan of him, and mm-hmm. he doesn't like me. That's okay. Well, Ravi, let me ask you this. Who, oh. since you're probably an expert on this, who is the most influential person on Twitter in 2018? 2018? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump. Yeah, of course. The guy the guy's kind of runs the world through his account. So that's crazy, huh? That's how crazy. big social media went. Like yeah. the guy, the guy doesn't go like to the press to talk about it. He just go tweet, and then the press repercute his tweets. That's crazy. That's when did crazy. when did he take that title from you? Uh, you know, that was a big war. <laughs> we kind of not like a, an arm wrestling, mm-hmm. me and him. And unfortunately, he's much stronger than people think, <laughs> and he he won. So <laughs> tiny you know, hands, but yeah, strong, tiny hands, but strong forearms. Strong forearms. That's yeah. But you, but you famously were yeah. named the most influential. I was named in 2011. I yeah. Think. Yeah. In uh, second place, Obama. <laughs> Third place, Dalai Lama. Suck it, Dalai Lama. I'm. <laughs> Getting all the likes in here. Yeah. <laughs> what so. did what? Did, let's let's go okay, back to okay, then. Okay. What 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 did you make of that when? You when know you, that was crazy because I don't know why mm-hmm. I was considered the most influential profile on Twitter, but the thing is, at that time it opened a, it opened a lot of doors for me in LA in New York. So I had a chance. Finally, which is, that's crazy because, you know, I play basketball here in 1999. You came here for college. I came here for college. Yeah, that's so. Was that the plan? It, it was to turn that into a professional career, it was. either here or back in Brazil. Yeah, or? it was. I actually played professional until I was 25. Okay. Yeah. What happened? Uh, I wasn't that good. 
<laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, of course I was good, but you know, basketball is not a sport that gives you a lot of money in Brazil. Mm -hmm. So to get good money in Brazil, you have to be at least in the national team. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't that good, okay. you know? Uh, so that's why I just quit the basketball thing. Okay. And I became a comedian, so I'm a very frustrated guy. But it wasn't a straight line from basketball no, to wasn't, comedy. It wasn't. It wasn't. I was a journalist. I'm actually graduated in journalism. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was working and playing so basketball. So we're essentially the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You and I are the same. Yes. We are the same. <laughs> complete, completely. We are the same. I am a journalist, so I, I'm graduated in journalism in Brazil. Mm -hmm. So I played basketball until I was, I was 25. And then I just started to do comedy in 2000. And, uh, uh, and I was doing in, in the early 2000s okay. on the web. I was doing like videos, everything that you guys see him now on like those Vine videos mm -hmm. and this like music videos from funny people. I was doing in 1999. What, what kind of equipment did you use back I, then? Because there was no YouTube, there was no... There was no YouTube. So the thing is, oh, that's, you know, that's a conversation to have. And I'm, yeah. Okay, that's the thing. <laughs> you didn't have YouTube at that time. The mm -hmm. YouTube came in 2005. Mm -hmm. So from 1999 until 2005, it was very hard for me to post those videos. Right. So, and, and even in Brazil, you know, so every time that I post a new video, it was like I, I used to shut down all those servers because there was too much traffic because right. nobody was using video at that time. So what happened was... There wasn't uh, enough bandwidth even to watch video. It, it was buffering. People would talk about buffering. But there, was, there wasn't even buffering at that time. You had to download those videos. Oh, okay. It was like... There always, was no streaming of there video. Was, there wasn't streaming at that time. Yeah. Streaming came up with real... real you remember Real Player? Yes. And Windows Media Player? Mm -hmm. That was the thing. So I did videos before that. <laughs> so I was doing those things. So every time that I launch a new video, a fan... A fan of mine mm -hmm. that lives outside of Brazil used to tell me, you know, send your video to me. I'm going to post to my server here in Iceland <laughs> because I have a free bandwidth mm -hmm. uh, thing here. Yeah. So then I will shut down his server. <laughs> and that guy from Japan is going to be, okay, send your video to me. So mm -hmm. it was all this thing. When, so when YouTube came up, it was like something huge for me. So it helped me a lot. So I started to do comedy. Uh, I was doing these small videos, but what became viral for me was small clips with, uh, with my stand-up. It became viral not only on YouTube. People were sending, I don't know if you guys used to do this in, in America, like sending yourselves like small videos through email. Sure. That's what we did at that time. So I became viral through email. And then when YouTube came up, I just put it up there and I started to pack shows all over the country. What was the stand-up scene like that? back then. There wasn't any stuff. Yeah, because I've, I've spoken with Jade Catapretta, uh -huh. who's, who's been back recently, yes, and I yes. hear she's working with you on she's, some projects. She's, she's, yes, yeah, yeah, she's a very, very good friend. What was the, but what was the stand-up scene like in there Brazil wasn't any, 10, 12 years ago? There wasn't any stand-up. We, we, the type of comedy that we used to have in Brazil, it's the one with characters. The, the comedy that you see in Telemundo, in mm. Televisa, those, all oh, those characters and the funny wigs mm -hmm. and the impersonators and we had a few comedians they used to do like politic political comedy but there wasn't uh it wasn't considered stand-up right there wasn't a club you could it go to and watch well you wasn't a club so when uh me and another like five or six people we started to do stand-up in 2003 2004 so that was the first uh the first, the first stand-up scene. Did you have to start your own club, or did you I, have to I, convince 
bar owners or how did you do it? Convince bar owners is mm -hmm. just solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Now I have my comedy club in Brazil. It's called Comedians. It's the same size of an improv club. It's like 300 people. Mm -hmm. Uh, but at that time, we didn't have that. So I, I had to go to those guys and, and tell them, you know, like a rock, rock and roll clubs. Or, and then right away after I start, we started to do these small clubs, I started to do theater. Theaters, like a, a 400-seat uh, theater and a 300-seat theater. So then a 700, so it was like theater. When you're doing your solo show, it's you always go to a theater, so, so then you can bring more people. And you were already on TV at the time, right? You know, not on 2003-04, no, okay. no, no. I, I, went, I went on TV. I was doing TV, small TV in Porto Alegre, which is my city, mm -hmm. but I, I became like national. So it's not like Rio or Sao Paulo? No, 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 or no, yeah. I became nationally uh, known in 2007, 8. So then... As what I, happened to make you it was a called, uh, It was a show called CQC uh, that we used to do like... It's something like a daily show uh, meets The View. Okay, so that was the thing. Talking about what's going Talking on. Talking about what's going on. And then you, you get to be funny. And uh, yes. Uh, so that's when everything started. And actually, uh, it was uh, the biggest thing. I think it was one of the biggest thing in comedy ever in Brazil. That was that show. That ended because of uh, political reasons mm. and some economic reasons. I got some lawsuits because of jokes. So it became this huge thing. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask you, because especially with your journalism background, what is, and then we mentioned Trump in the very beginning, yeah. what is the relationship between... Um, journalists, comedians, and, and the government? Uh, the thing is, when we started to do this in Brazil, there wasn't a lot of people doing political humor. There was not. There was not people doing that. So it became a kind of a threat to all the politicians. Because we, and I specifically, used to go to Congress to do stories and segments and funny things with them. Mm -hmm. And they are not used to be... To, to, they don't have the funny Satire. gene. Yeah. Right. They're not used to being poked no, fun of. Not at all. Not at all. Even, and one of the main reasons is that Brasilia, which is our our capital, mm -hmm. it's very far away from Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro. Mm. So they were like protected in this in this <laughs> small city where they can do whatever, everything that they want. And we... They have all the power. All the power. And they are away from the people. So if you want to protest... Uh, in front of them, you gotta go into a plane and play and pay. Do they for also control the media, or is it is it state-run media? Or is uh, it? No, no. The thing is, we have a state-run media, but it's not that big. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, uh, the uh, to have a TV station in Brazil, you need to have some kind of uh, approval from the government. It's not that they run the TV, but this is something that the government allowed you to have. Okay. So there is. <laughs> so you some, have to play nice with the you have the to politicians play a little, you wanna, yeah, to if play. you want to be on the air. I'm not sure that they would. Yeah, 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 hmm. yeah. Okay. It's good for those TV stations to have a good relationship with the government, but the thing is, I don't think they they would cut those TVs from there. But the thing is the government puts a lot of money on TV stations with advertisements. So the government advertise their, their, uh, everything that they do so on TV. So they put money on TVs, radios. Some of those TVs depends on that money. So it's not that, okay, it's not that I'm telling you what to do, 
but you know this money <laughs> i can cut this money out of you right so there is this pressure so i all tv stations they play nice with the government okay. and everything yeah how about you? Do you play nice with the government? No, I don't because you know I don't depend on that. I, I don't depend on the on the TV station anymore. I have my audience. My social media is huge. I can pack shows everywhere. So it's not that I depend on them. Uh, uh, the thing is uh, that's yeah, that's why I became a little controversial. Not because only talking bad about the government and everything else, but I make fun of artists and uh, singers and everything. So it's. It's a little tricky. You mentioned lawsuits, plural. Yeah. What was the first? The biggest one, one was uh, that was. Uh, I got a lot. Uh, I was sued by this singer in Brazil, mm-hmm. and she. That's a very shitty joke. Okay, I'm going to repeat. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the the sad part <laughs> is that the lawsuit is because of a shitty joke. I wish it was a good joke. At least they were repeating a good joke. So you can, but also so you can defend it. I can <laughs> I cannot defend myself on a bad joke, but I had to do it. Mm-hmm. That she was she uh, that was there's this very famous singer mm-hmm. with a very powerful husband, and he kind of runs uh, agencies and mm-hmm. and brands and everything. And she was on TV and she was pregnant and some of Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, someone from my friend asked mm-hmm. me, do you think she's hot? And I said, she's so hot, I would fuck her and her baby. <laughs> and uh, and everything went went crazy. Everybody went crazy. And, yeah, it's and not you, a great joke, but it's also an obvious joke. Okay, it is an obvious joke, but you know what? To anyone with a sense of humor, you uh, realize that it's not. Okay, but I will defend myself. At that time, I did the right timing, mm-hmm. so it was funny at that time. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not now. Now that I'm doing an interview, it's not like... <laughs> Fucking, but the, at that time it was funny. Mm. The crowd laughed. Right, and then but like, then it be, yeah, but then it became this huge thing. That was the first one. How did it get? How did that end up getting resolved? I lost the losses, and I had to pay like three hundred thousand reais, which is hundred and fifty thousand. Now it's like a hundred thousand dollars. But uh, what did you learn from that? I learned that I have to make more money if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> keep doing jokes but I, yeah, I have to because otherwise I'm not gonna stop doing them mm-hmm. it's the thing is I didn't did, did it make other people want to sue you once that once they realized oh, that they could my friend no once they, no, no 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 you can sue everyone even here in America mm-hmm. I can sue you because of a question you did the thing is the sad part is that I lost the lawsuit. Right. So once you lost, did other people go, "Oh, let's sue Rafi because you know I, guess, I don't like this joke, and I know that he pay had to pay one hundred fifty thousand. Uh, so maybe I'll, I won't get that, but maybe okay. I'll get fifty. They didn't have that idea, and uh, I would ask you to cut this. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm don't, just kidding. Don't get the. Don't idea. give them uh, this idea. But uh, the thing is. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I got some other lawsuits. They weren't asking for money, but they didn't need the money. This singer is rich. Her husband is very rich. They didn't need my money. They wanted to hurt me. They wanted to hurt me somehow. Right. Well, that, that happened in America with a website called Gawker. Yeah. Where... Uh, a wealthy billionaire was angry at the website and he just decided to... I saw the Hulk Hogan thing. He sued them out of business. Just because he... Is that the Hulk? Yeah, that that was the Hulk Hogan I watched the documentary. It's crazy. That's crazy. But it's because he realized that he he could sue them out of existence. He could sue, you know what? Because he had enough money. And not only that, it's easier to sue someone when you're a person and you're not a company. Because if you're a company, it's like, oh, this is not hurting. It's it's like, it's crazy. So that's that will happen. Yeah. So it's... 
you know, uh, he kind of heard a lot. Uh, What year was that? That, that it happened? It was 2011 that happened. Okay. And the, the last Before or after you were the most influential was person after. on Twitter? It was after. Uh -huh. My friend, you know, the thing is, once you get in this stage mm -hmm. where everybody's talking about you, there's going to be some people uh, trying to hurt you as well. And that, in, that's true and everywhere, Brazil, not just Brazil. And in Brazil, the tough part in Brazil is that it took some time for me to explain to people and for people to understand that not everything that I am saying is my opinion about those, that subject. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? It's like there's some irony, some sarcasm behind everything that I'm saying because in Brazil, people are used to characters. So when you're a character, of course you're making fun of something, you're making a joke. Right. But when you don't have a wig or a funny nose, And, and, the, and the thing is, it's new in Brazil. So that was a little confusing for the audience. And I'm telling you, even for myself, because if I'm saying this thing and I'm being sarcastic or everything else, I'm being myself talking about those things. I don't want them to think that I'm all for rape, that I want to abort my child because I don't like my kid. I don't, yeah. but it's a joke. So it was hard for- you have kids. I have kids and I really don't like, no, it's just, <laughs> I do like him a lot. Uh, I have kids, so I, I'm mm -hmm. doing jokes about my kid. I don't right. want them to think, oh, I don't like my kid. So I had to explain it. You guys in America, you don't, you don't need to do that because you have those committees. You had the same problems that I, that I had uh, six years ago. Lenny Bruce had in the, I don't know, right. 50s or... Right, uh, in the 1950s. 1950s. Yeah. So that's the stage that we are in comedy in Brazil. You have to teach the culture. And with this, uh, everybody now is crazy about social media. So the same thing that is happening in America is happening in Brazil, where everything is racist and everything is politically incorrect. So How did you build that influence in Twitter in the beginning? With jokes. Jokes. Twitter is the right platform for me because I'm fast and I can write jokes at a time something is happening on TV or maybe I'm watching something, something happening in politics and I can write a quick joke and they just spread the word. At, at what point did you realize that it, that it was translating outside of Brazil? The thing is, we have, uh, I have a huge audience uh, outside, of, outside of Brazil of mm -hmm. Portuguese speakers. My plan now is to build this audience of English speakers. That's the, 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 the point that I'm in right now to do some jokes in English. Mm -hmm. I'm here at the festival, I'm the, uh, the Just For Last Festival, to do in English for people to know that I can do that, that I can be funny in another language, that I am representing not only me, but my whole country. And so that's a lot of things that I'm, I'm uh, that's, that's a huge challenge and I'm very happy about doing it. Uh, the first, you made specials and then sold them to Netflix? Is that right? The two first ones, mm -hmm. I sold them to Netflix and I have some other projects with them. I just uh, produce their, their, they're doing like this, the stand-ups, but it's worldwide. They're right. shooting here. Yeah, 32, yeah. they're yeah. shooting 32 different half-hour specials yes. this week. We shot three of those 32 in Brazil and I was mm. their producer over oh, there. Nice. Yeah, and I shot my special in Brazil two months ago and I'm going to launch the special in uh, September. Now, did you notice when, you're, when you first sold your specials, the older ones, to Netflix, did you... What did you notice happening with your fan base and with your career once they, once they were on a global platform? My, uh, my first special was the first content that they bought in Brazil. 
When they arrived in Brazil, the first thing that they bought was my special. And uh, of course, they translated to, to English and everything. I'm not sure if they got any like American followers or anything like that because it's everything in Portuguese. And people in America, they are not used to read subtitles. Mm -hmm. And not even that, a lot of my references are lo were local. Mm -hmm. And even in my special now that I'm going to launch in September, there's a lot of local references. So my plan is to tell Netflix, and they know already that I can uh, build this uh, huge audience. Mm -hmm. People are going to watch it, and then I'll be able to do something in English with them. Maybe a half-hour special, maybe my own special. I'm trying to follow the same road that Gad MLA from, from yes, France. Yes, I spoke Gad, That's yeah. what he did, and I think it's very inspiring for me what he did. That's what I'm trying to do right now. Okay. and you're all, But you also have the Beastmaster, I Ultimate do. Beastmaster show. Yeah, it is a... It's it's a kind of American Ninja Warrior for Netflix. Right. And I have so much fun doing it. But I think, because they have multiple versions of it, but I think you get probably the best of the bunch because you're with Anderson Silva. <laughs> Did you watch it? You have to watch it, man. It's crazy. And Anderson is a great guy. We, and, we are, and we are a lot Because he's globally known yeah, as well. Yeah, we so are not, yeah. You're, you're Brazilian, but you're global. And uh, we make a very we make a very good pair. Mm -hmm. We we work together very well. He's funny. We have we had so much fun doing it. And I'm pretty sure like this new season is going to be launched in August. I'll be a lot in the American version because I was the only host that actually went to the course. Oh. And I tried the obstacles <laughs> and everything. I was the only one. And how did you fare? Man, you know I was. You, you know what I did? It was crazy because when I was in the course mm -hmm. and doing the obstacles, I thought, I was doing, I, I, I decided mm -hmm. to be funny, <laughs> you know? Right. Because I didn't want to actually try. Can you believe if I Take do it well? Seriously. No, can, you, can you believe if I do well? And then the other competitors, like they, they <laughs> felt in the second obstacle and I went to the, maybe the, the, the ninth <laughs> obstacle. You would sound bad for all of them. So right. I was like, you know, let me do some Sasha Baron Cohen over okay. here. It's okay. <laughs> let me be funny and everything's going to be fine. And it was funny. It was funny. Now, you know, we're seven years removed from the Twitter title. Yes, yes. How do you feel about social media now? What are your attitudes to we it? Are, we are living, my friend, in a moment where we don't analyze context anymore. And everything, and, and we are throwing information mm -hmm. all the time, okay? Me, you, everybody's doing it. So it's very dangerous to have those informations taken out of context and put in another place. That's what happened with comedy right now. And it's very hurtful for us because we know exactly how was the mood when we were on stage, how, uh, like I had this joke, I had this rape joke that I'm not proud of, okay? Mm -hmm. But I did that like two o'clock in the morning in a small comedy club. There was a journalist from the Rolling Stone. So, so that was this huge article about mm. this joke that I did. At two in the morning. At two in the morning for 30 people in the audience. And people laugh because they were drunk. I know right. that. Right. But the thing is, yeah, I said that. But if you take that joke and put it in a newspaper or a magazine, it's going to even look better. For, if I read it, I, I read that, I was like, fuck, who is this fucker? This guy is fucking crazy. But, you know, I knew what the contest was. So we are not analyzing that anymore. And that is all. And we are living in this moment where everybody is jumping in the hate train. 
they want to feel uh, part of this group. So, oh, now let's hate this guy. No, uh, let's hate that guy. So we are not analyzing what's going on. We're just humping. We are just like jumping in this hate train. So it's very difficult and we have we have to analyze everything and to think about exactly what's going on instead of just uh, just judging without knowing it. So has it changed how you use Twitter? No. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> you know, my friend. It, 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 you just have to realize, to realize how people are reading it. Yes. And, uh, and I think it's our, our mission as uh, comedians to push the boundaries, mm -hmm. to keep testing it. The thing is, just be aware that something that, that uh, people are going to... The backlash is... It's much bigger now because there's stories in every website saying something like, oh, Rafinha Bastos said this and the internet went crazy. Oh, let me tell you something. Everything that I'm going to say, the internet is going to make me, is going to go crazy. Not even if it's a joke. If I'm being, if I'm, if I'm mm -hmm. talking about my kid, I'm just like, there's mm -hmm. going to be like four or five guys that are gonna, not going to like, and you're always going to be able to build that story. Oh, he's, uh, he said that and mm -hmm. the internet didn't like. So we are very vulnerable as comedians in this time. So we just have to be aware that it's gonna be some back. It's gonna be some backlash, but it's it's our duty and our mission to always push boundaries. That's that's what I think. Well, Rafi and I, Rafi, Rafi, yeah. Rafi, you can call me Rafi. Rafi. Well, yeah, I asked you before we started you can rolling. Call me Rafi. Yeah, the Rafinha is with Rafinha. NH. Nobody can say it. <laughs> it's actually Rafinha. Rafinha. Yeah, that's it. Rafinha. You just said my name. Oh, thank you so much for. No, my I really appreciate your time, you and I look forward much. to seeing. The new stuff this fall. Yes, my friend, do it. Uh, Thank you very, very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.